0: Welcome to the P Primo Show. It is episode number 92, How to Communicate Effectively in Business by Communication Expert, Brandon Kamurasamy. I hope I got that right. I'll check with Brandon in a minute. First, let's pay the bills. Sell a million. What are you waiting for, guys? If you need more traffic, if you need more sales, buy my book, Sell a Million, Over 101 Tips for Furniture and mattress store owners to sell another million dollars or more this year. And don't forget to visit my friends at the Mattress Industry Network and sign up if you haven't already. If you are in the mattress industry, we want you in this group. This is a group of uh, mattress retailers. They are running it for the entire benefit of, of the industry to help you communicate, Help you network, help you merchandise, help you advertise in the best of ways. This is one of the best groups you could ever join. It is 100% free. Scan that QR code right there. And uh, thank you, Steve, for your sponsorship of the Pete Primo show. I appreciate it. And if you join the Metrics Industry Network group, please tell them Pete sent you. And I look forward to seeing you inside the group because I'm in there. Practically every day. So, thank you, Brandon, for coming on and sharing your expertise in communication. And, you know, when I start thinking about communication and I start thinking about fundamental errors in our thinking about communication, we think we hear the word communication and all of a sudden we think about talking. And one of the biggest parts of communication. That goes unheralded is listening. And uh, of course, something has to happen between listening to the information and speaking again. And that is a huge piece of, of the puzzle too. So two out of three of the major pieces of communication involve thinking and or listening. And then of course, speaking and speaking well. So Tell me when you know you work with other business owners and you help them get in the top one percent of 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 their business as communicators. Tell me what mistakes you normally see and maybe how to correct them. Sorry, I threw three or four questions at you at once.
1: <laughs> You're all good, Pete. Well, first of all, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on. And I would say, in the context of business owners, the number one challenge by far, Pete. Is they do not make it a priority. They don't believe communication is something worth investing in, worth taking the time to consider, worth working on, spending time on. And the question for everyone listening to this, Pete, is the following. As your business is scaling, are your communication skills scaling with the business? Example, Let's say you're a business owner doing 100 dollars to $200,000 a year right now in top-line revenue. Usually in those situations, you're doing every part of the value chain, from sales, marketing, delivery, to ascension. But as we scale the business, let's say to half a million to a million in top-line, at that point, everything you did in the past needs to be delegated to other people. So you need to create SOP standard operating procedures and start sharing what you know with other people. But if your communication skills, Pete, aren't sharp at that level, you're going to create a lot of inefficiencies in the business because a lot of employees will come back to you and go, huh, what did you mean? What did I have to do? And that's where the problem
0: lies. And I can see th- where that that um, can happen. And, and one of the... One of the things that you have in in our business in particular, and it's not just our furniture and our mattress business, it's in all businesses. Often you get a superstar salesperson who was able to sell uh, enough that they were able to save the money to start their own business. Sometimes, not every time, but sometimes they actually go from salesperson to business owner. And now they have to wear a lot of hats, right? They have to learn how to communicate with vendors. They have to learn how to be a manager, which is a whole nother, they would have been better off learning that on someone else's dime. Right. Well said. (laughs) And, And, you know, as I was, as I was taking my walk this morning, I was thinking about our talk and I was thinking about communication and I was thinking, you know, it's, it's actually bigger than business. It's actually the glue that holds your life together. Without the ability to communicate effectively, you have nothing. And this um, biggest mistake that owners make, um, not scaling their communication skills as they are trying to scale the business, I can see where this is just incredibly huge. And, you know, Again, going back to what I originally said, I think a lot of people think of communication as talk, 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 and not breaking down. And so give us, give us some help um, in how to listen better and how to be a better communicator because everyone who's listening to this, whether you own a business or you don't, we all need help here. Absolutely, Pete.
1: So you mentioned a couple of great things that I'd love to highlight. The first one is the point around communication is the glue that holds everything together. I love that analogy because it's so true. It's not just about getting a sale in a business. Some of us listening to this are not even business owners. It's about realizing that communication is every part of our life. It's the way that we raise our children, the way that we talk to our families, the way that we make new friends when we travel. And when we realize communication is not just about the sale in the business, it's about leading a more fulfilling life, then we start to take it more seriously. And then the second part to that, to your point, Pete, is what do we do about this? How do we practice this? So here's the context I always love to point out, Pete. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of those balls is eye contact. One of them is facial expressions. One of them is smiling, body language, storytelling, and the list goes on. So it can get really confusing really fast. So my perspective has always been, what are the three easiest balls to chuckle? out of all 18. Because if we can start with those three, we can start building momentum and get the success we're looking for in our communication. So let's start with number one. Number one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like toothpaste, like plastic, like light bulb, and create random presentations out of thin air. So now why is this useful? Two reasons, Pete. First one is because it allows you to think out of thin air. If you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. And that's number two as well. So that's the first exercise. Mm-hmm.
0: That is, uh, that's worth its, its weight in gold right there. One of the things that helped me as a salesperson when we go to uh, applying this towards sales is slowing down to speed up. A lot of times, we as salespeople, we as business owners, and business owners are are salespeople, whether you want to admit it or not. You're you're selling your vendors that you're worthwhile to do business with. You're selling your employees that they're going to be rewarded for their efforts. You're you're selling your salespeople that this is the best place that you uh, have. To, to work in in a certain geography that you might be willing to travel. And so one of the things that I learned fairly early on that really helped me um, was slowing down enough that when I didn't understand something 100%, Brandon, that I would repeat it back, repeat it back to the customer and and just let them come back and clarify that. Um, do you find that useful in, in your practice or or, or is what you're doing so way more advanced that it's, that's ridiculous? No, <laughs> of,
1: of course not, Pete. And of course, you've had a lot of success. So I, I completely agree, right? Especially in the context of sales, when we really take the time to listen it allows us to gain more information. And the reason that's so important in sales, to your point, Pete, is because it allows us to figure out why does the customer even need what we have? Because the biggest problem with a lot of salespeople in any industry, whether it's in furniture or online education or really anything, is we're trying to sell people without first understanding why they need that piece, that product, that service, that's why I've always seen my best success in sales has always been the customer selling themselves on what they need. Why is communication coaching important to you? Why is this important to you? Why is this car? Why is this house important to you? And you just listen to them. And if they, they don't have an answer to that question, then you're selling the wrong person. Because sales is about creating impact and solving somebody's problem. But we need to figure out what that problem is first before we can even offer a solution for it.
0: And and by the same token, you see that applying to business owners as well. Clarifying, pausing, and, and restating, and and, and 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 making sure that their people understand uh, the instructions. I mean, sometimes you say something quickly to somebody, and you look at them, and they're kind of, you know, giving you the, the the tilted head dog look, like "huh," and. Do you, do you do you do you do you see that as as potentially being valuable there?
1: Absolutely Pete. So So the way that I would frame it in the context of let's say a business owner talking to one of their employees, one trick that works really well that I learned from from somebody else is you go to that person, that specific employee, you give them the instruction and you just say repeat in your own words what you feel the assignment is. So that way, mm. as the employee is explaining what that is, you can quickly correct any small mistakes that they made so that you're all fully hundred percent aligned on what the next responsibility is for that specific individual to the org.
0: There you go. Business owners, you can, you, if you want, you can click off now, but I think there's more gold coming. That was, that was great. Uh, absolutely gold. So, In today's world, I'm hearing from my business owners, Brandon, that getting and retaining employees is harder than ever. And I would like you to just kind of riff on in your own way what you think needs to happen uh, from a communication perspective to to help, number one, I guess, attract the best employees, and, and number two, now that we have them, to keep them assuming that they're good employees. Absolutely, Pete.
1: So here's a saying that people can write down that I love. If we communicate 20% better than our industry, will we stand out 100% of the time? So I repeat that one again. If we communicate 20% better than our competition our industry or the specific one that we're in, we will stand 100% of the time. So how does this uh, principle apply, not just in retention of employees, but also in the context of communication in general? Let's go back to that random word exercise we talked about earlier, Pete. So many people say, well, how many times should I do it? Uh, how well should I do it? How much rep should I put in? My My answer always is, forget about me think about the people in your business. So let's say we take furniture and mattresses. How many CEOs of those companies are doing the random word exercise once or twice in their life The answer is really low because most of them probably don't even know what that is. What about a hundred times? The answer gets really, really small. So the point that I'm trying to drive here, Pete, is it actually doesn't take that much to stand out in your industry. That's why I always like to say top 1% communicator in the specific niche that you're in. But now how does this get applied to retention? I'll tell you a quick story on this. One of my clients is a CEO of an interior design company in Brooklyn, and he manages a team of 40 employees. And he's a really shy, introverted, yet super successful guy. And I told him to do something that scared his wits. I said, here's what you're going to do. Let's call him John for the purposes of today's interview. They say, John, here's what you're going to do. You're going to send a video message to every single employee in your company. It doesn't matter if it's the vice president, the COO, or even an entry-level employee who started last week and is cleaning the floors. It really doesn't matter. All 40. And he didn't want to do it. Not because he didn't like his employees, but because he was scared. He was nervous. And I forced him to send a video to all of them. And I haven't heard of an employee leaving his company since he did that strategy. And that's really the point I want to drive, Pete. It's not about the beer pong. It's not about the ping pong tables. It's not about giving them pizza lunches every Wednesday. It's about how do we make them feel seen, heard, and understood in a way that no other employee in our industry is willing and capable of doing.
0: That is so good. I, I just wanna, I want to unpack that just a little bit seen if you want your employees business owners if you want your employees to stay with you make sure that they know that you see them make sure that they know that you hear them and make sure that you understand their concerns and that they understand what the expectations are and and one of the things and and i beat this but i'm gonna say it again because it's so important we as business owners have a 100 hats that we wear every day. The first time we see an employee coloring, quote, outside of the lines, not quite fulfilling the expectation for a job, we look the other way and we magically hope that it will get better on its own. It won't. As a matter of fact, you look in the other way because you're too busy, because it's uncomfortable, because you've got other things to do and not correcting it. Creates an expectation that it's okay. Hey, he was right here. She was right here, saw that I didn't do it. They didn't say anything to me. It's okay. And you're going to get more of that unwanted behavior. So, in addition to making sure they see, hear, and understand, make sure that you're giving them consistent feedback. That is incredibly important to to catch it the very first time it happens that you're aware of and whatever it is. And and I'm not saying jump somebody. I'm saying professionally, alone, in a nice way, reinforce the expectation and the fact that they fell short and what they need to do to correct it. And if you make it part of your corporate culture that you never let anything slide, ever, the little things that would aggravate you and start to pile up and then of course they think you're crazy after the 20th time you let something go you you can't bark at them a little bit because in your mind it's the 20th time in their mind it's the first time because you never corrected them before so Sorry, I just felt like I wanted to unpack that. Do you want to add something to that? I would love to, Pete. I'm glad that you you jumped into that. So there's actually a framework I teach business
1: owners on how to deliver feedback, so we never get into that situation to begin with. So let's go ahead and go through that. I call yeah. it Write, Rank, and Deliver. Write, Rank, and Deliver. So let's go through that entire framework. Right. We need to learn to write harsh feedback. And that comes off wrong when you hear it the first time. Wait, Brendan, I don't want to give harsh feedback to people in my organization. Hold on. Hold that thought for a second. We need to learn to write harsh feedback, not necessarily. We need to deliver it just yet, but we need to get into that habit. Why? Because the AAA superstars in our organization are looking to us for that type of feedback. If they're knocking out every cylinder and crushing every sales goal, and they go back to their leader and says, what feedback do you have for me? And that CEO hasn't practiced harsh feedback. They don't want to be led by that person anymore because they can't learn anything from that person. That's one. Second is rank. What does ranking feedback mean? This is a big mistake I see a lot of managers and leaders make, Pete, in the industry just in general, is that whenever they give feedback to their employees, to your point, you actually nailed it on the head, they wait for that moment where all of that feedback builds up and they just spew all 20 points at once and the employee feels overwhelmed, they feel attacked, they feel like this person doesn't respect me and there's an easy way to navigate this. All you have to do is rank all of the feedback in order of difficulty of implementation. So what you do is what you call easy wins first. You pick the three points that are the easiest for the employee to implement, and you just give those three up front to see what they do with it. And if they implement it, you celebrate and you keep increasing the difficulty until all 20 problems are solved over time. And that way, you're giving feedback in a way that's digestible, easy to implement, and respectful to the individual. And then the third part to the framework is deliver. So what I always like to say, Pete, is different temperatures for different people. The feedback that I would give a senior vice president at a company is very different than a five-year-old girl. You don't want to give the same feedback to both of those individuals. And the last part to this framework, in my opinion, is hard feedback should never be given, but only earned. So if you're giving easy stuff at the beginning, but the employees and not implement you need to go back to that easy pointers and watch them get that right. And then move up the
0: ladder over time. That's, that's a great framework. Thank you for that. That's a real gift guys. Um, so we have a uh, business owner, and he or she comes to you and says, "Brandon, you know, I, I know that I can improve at, at in communicating, but I just I don't know where I don't know where to begin. I I, I feel like I'm failing my company. Just between us, um, I feel like I'm failing." And and I, I want to know, how do I get started in the right direction? Absolutely, Pete.
1: So the way that I would think about it, and and luckily, oftentimes, their company isn't failing. They're doing well. It's just they're not getting to that next level of success. So that's the good news. But the other piece is starting with one small thing at a time. The biggest problem is that we try and do too many things in communications because there's so many types of coaches in this space. Storytelling coaches, body language coaches. So there's a lot of confusion. So for me, the first thing I, I get everyone client to do, actually, that people can implement right away, it's very simple, just not easy, is do the random word exercise a 100 times. And then executives come back to me, Pete, and they say, well, what's the framework? What's the What's the steps? And I always say that we do not get points on how well we do it. We get points on how many times we do it. When we go to a fitness trainer and we say, hey, I want to work out. What's my diet plan? What's my calorie intake? They just look at you and take a step back and say, are we walking 50 minutes a day? And if the answer is no, let's start there. So that's the first piece. And the second piece is, a, is an exercise I teach called the question drill. We get asked questions all the time in our life at school, at work, during sales calls. But a lot of us are reactive to those questions. We're not proactive. I'll give you an example with me. A few years ago, when I started guesting on podcasts, I sucked. I remember somebody asked me the funniest question. He said, where does the fear of communication come from, Brendan? And I look at the guy, Pete, and I go, um, Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Los Angeles? Like, I didn't know how to answer that question. (laughs) So, So instead, I became more proactive. So every day, what did I do for five minutes a day, Pete? I answered one question that I thought the world would ask me about my expertise. But if you do that once a day for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about the business, about your products and services, and you'll be bulletproof.
0: Wow. So I had a very interesting, this is very specific Um so this business owner had a habit of going to seminars once or twice a year, coming back with all these plans, bringing it to the salespeople on a Saturday morning. You already know where this is going. <laughs> bringing this this new the, these new disciplines that we're going to implement, and uh, selling it to the salespeople. And then the salespeople just basically sit on their hands. They do not implement anything. They know that if they wait him out, that his uh, passion and that his commitment to whatever changes he was all riled up about will wane. And he's like, and I didn't know how to answer him because he's like, Pete, how do I let him know I'm serious? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe fire one of them the, the next week when they don't do it. I, I I know that's not the right answer, but so I, I'm throwing it at you. You're As, the communication expert.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I am I a thousand percent, percent sure, Pete, you did not give that advice. You're just being humble like like you are. But But here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. The first piece is, you know, Tony Robbins says it best, and I think it's worth emphasizing. The biggest bottleneck in any business is never its employees. It's never the product. It's never the service. is its own leader. And once we realize that ourselves, that we are the biggest bottleneck, we need to solve that. So the first thought in my mind right away as you brought up that scenario is what is the history of that entrepreneur? Because if I'm an employee and I'm sitting there, This is probably not something that happens on the occasion. This is probably something that happens a lot where the entrepreneur has a history of always spewing out ideas, but never following through on those ideas. So that is the reputation that has been built. So because of that reputation, that is then the natural unsaid expectation from the employee, which is basically, I'm just going to spew a bunch of ideas every six months. You don't have to implement anything because I won't hold you accountable to them either. So the first step in this process is changing that reputation. So what does that mean? That means instead of us trying to implement 15 different strategies, that's even my own communication piece, I'm not saying 10 different things. I'm going random word exercise, question drill, video message. Random word exercise, question, drill, video message, even if there's a hundred other things I could share. And then we say, what is the one thing that we want to implement from that seminar? And the third piece, frankly, and it still has nothing to do with the employees, is are we setting the example? So when I go to a client and I say, hey, do the random word exercise five times a day, they always come back to me and say, how do I find the time? And I look at them and I say, well, you shower every day, you got 15 minutes there. So you're going to do it because I've done it 3,000 times. And then the next piece that they give me, and I'll call it out for what it is. Well, Brendan, what do you know about communication? You're some kid. I'm like, because my average client is 20 years older than me, right? And you know what my response to that always is, Pete? I always go, I have this business. I have this success. I've sent all these video messages. I've done all these question drills. And I'm 20 years old, younger than you. What's your excuse? You have more experience Ooh. than I do. So why aren't you doing this? Why is my business bigger than yours? And that is what creates the action. So what does this all kind of tie a bow on? It ties a bow on the following. As entrepreneurs, we need to set the example for employees and we do it through one action at a time. And that's what builds the reputation
0: of the trust. Mm. A lot of gold here. If I had that to do over again with what you, my answer to him would be pick out the one thing and actually give them a handout about how we're executing the one thing and actually letting them know that this time next week, we're going to evaluate how we started to implement this because that. Those were pieces that were not happening. He would just spew it off verbally. Probably when he changed modes of communication and he went to something written, it would go, oh, this is different. So let's talk about that. Um, There's a lot of different ways to communicate. It's not just verbal. Um, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I actually told one of my daughters that I was never going to text. Now, 80% of my orders come in the form of a text. I would be out of business if I didn't get with that technology. And understand, this is how my customers wish to order, and I'm going to make it as easy as possible for my dealers to do business with me, right? and so when we're talking about communicating effectively it's not just speaking right it's 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 emails it's 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 text even with business owners because business owners have a customer and the customer is your employees and i think that when we don't treat them as our customers i think we lose A perspective and a humbleness and an openness that we could have. What are your thoughts?
1: I I completely agree on everything that you shared there, especially the point, Pete, that the employee is the ultimate customer. Because they're the people who are eventually going to be sharing your culture, your values, the product, the service that you want to deliver to them. They're the ones who are facing the customer head on because we'll be managing so many other parts of the business. We won't have time for that. So I completely agree with that idea. So then the other piece naturally becomes, how do we improve the way that we treat our employees like the number one, like the most important customers on earth? And let me give you something really, really simple that really is crazy that most people don't do either, which is really around corporate gifts. So a lot of the times when it's a holiday, when it's a different season, and business owners are thinking about gifts to their employees, it's always the same gift for everybody. It's always, okay, well, everyone likes chocolate, so let's just buy chocolate for everybody. Or oh, everyone likes wine, let's just buy a bottle of wine for everyone. And they don't give it that much thought, whereas we wouldn't do that with our number one vendor. We wouldn't do that with our number one customer. The person who's bringing in 30, 40, 50%, even sometimes 20% of the entire business, we don't go, oh, let's just send them a wine bottle. We go, hmm, what's their family like? Where do they live? What do they enjoy? So we start asking questions. We go deeper and we find uh, a gift that really makes us stand out. So they keep doing business with us because our business is on the line. But the truth is, Pete, is that our business is on the line with our employees. Because if our A-plus players go to our competitors, we'll eventually lose the long game. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean spending a million dollars per employee. It doesn't mean buying Ferraris for everybody. But what it means is saying, instead of buying the same generic gift to everybody, the next step becomes, how can I listen to that individual during the year and have somebody in my organization who's having a pulse on the org to figure out what type of gift makes sense to the best superstars in that company and not to wait for the holidays to do that. So when somebody does a great job, you front load the gift because a lot of the the business owners, just to build on this a little bit more, they're always quick to judge when somebody makes a mistake, but they're not quick to praise when somebody does something right. And that's the problem that we see is when we overemphasize the positives a lot more, the negative feedback stings a lot less. It increases loyalty.
0: Mm. Be interested in your employees and Analyze them the way you would analyze your best customer or your most important vendor. Um, That's, wow, it's really good. So the next one is going to come and it's going to bite me in my rear end, but I have to share this with my business owners because my business owners tune into this podcast to get things that are going to help them. So, communicating effectively in business, a lot of it has to do with prioritization, and you can't prioritize without learning how to say the word no. I'm going to let you run with that, Brandon, and I might, I might jump in. I I I I I love these frameworks that you're sharing and, and these different perspectives and these exercises, I, I think anybody that's listened so far is going to get so much out of this. And I, I want my business owners to walk away from this and go, wow, I, le- I learned a lot.
1: Absolutely, Pete. And that's because you're asking great questions. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm able, thankfully, in today's episode to come up with great answers. So hopefully <laughs> that trend continues, let's see. So, So in the context of how to say no, This is something I struggle with, especially early in my career. I've been doing this for seven years. So my first couple of years, that's where I really struggled, Pete. And the reason is because I'm a people pleaser. I always want to say yes. I'm a coach, right? You want to help people. You want to help them succeed. You want to help them grow. But what we need to understand, Pete, is a lot of the short-term yeses that we're saying might not feed into our long-term vision. So if we want to truly serve people, we need to prioritize the long-term vision of what we want to create relative to the short-term decisions that we're creating, that we're saying yes to, that aren't serving that longer piece. So for me, the fundamental issue always with saying yes too many times and no not enough is really around vision. How much time are we spending to really dissect what that vision looks like for us? And if we're not spending the time to analyze what that vision is, ultimately, it's going to be harder for us to say no today. So for example, and here's a good uh, exercise I got from Jason Skisit, one of my mentors that I absolutely love. And the question is simply this. Our future more successful version of ourselves 10 years from today is the most important person we should be listening to. So every week, every month, every quarter, we should go back to that person. So in my case, it's 36, 37-year-old Brendan. If that person could go back to my life right now and look at everything I'm doing in the business, on podcasts, on my YouTube channel, and he had an opportunity to disagree with something I'm doing today, what would he disagree with me on and why? Because we often know the answer. So if we do that 10-year exercise and that person is looking back into our life today, they'll look at you and they'll say, you know what, Brendan? Saying yes to this might serve your ego a little bit right now, but that hour could have been spent on Pete's podcast. It could have been spent somewhere else where that hour could have helped us better in the future because now I've played out that 10 years. And that's often the best way practically to say no to things today that I
0: found. Mm. That's really good. So let me, um, let me just say this and beat you over the head, my business owners that are listening. A rep comes in without an appointment. You've asked several times, hey, call me. And usually I'm, I'm available, but, you know, call me at least a day ahead or a week ahead and let's schedule a time. They come in without the appointment. Even if you can see him or her, don't. Sooner or later, you've got to draw a line in the sand. And let me tell you something. As a wrap, it will only happen once. And, and I will tell you this. I love my dealers who I work with by appointment. I absolutely love having appointments. I wouldn't have it any other way. It respects everybody's time. It's very useful. And on the other hand, too, if you are in a meeting with a rep and one of your employees is trying to interrupt you and you're shushing them away, stop it right now. I know I'm I know. I'm beating the you-know-what out of the obvious, but if you are shushing one of your key employees away because you're in a, a meeting with a rep it happens every week with me and i always look at the business owner and i said listen i'm happy to i'm happy to wait please go take care of your um take care of your situation right now because you don't know what it is until you sit down and you and you talk to them and i think this ties back into what brandon just just said Treat employees as customers, because nine times out of ten, when they're asking us for something or they're trying to get our attention, it's got something to do with your end customer anyway. And uh, it's it's very important that we make sure we're supporting everybody. One of the 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 things that comes again and again and again, and I get it because as being in the stores visit in when i'm not with the owner i'm with the employees so i hear both sides of it right <laughs> talk about being in the middle and 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 i hear i hear both sides of it and and there is this feeling that i'm not appreciated i'm not respected and i'm not treated with the dignity that i should be treated with so i would ask myself those questions if I have to dismiss somebody, if I have to put them off, am I doing it with words and with body language that is dignified, that is respectful, that preserves the relationship that says, "I honor you?" And if not, we we need to reflect on that and and and, and the very first piece to that is becoming aware of it. So awareness of how you're communicating is huge. And it's hard to do. It's easy for me to say that. And you're doing a hundred different things a day. And I'm asking you to be aware of your communication. I'm asking you to be aware of your tone. Are you treating them with the respect and the dignity that they deserve as being your equal with your most valuable customer? Are you? It's a tough question. And I want you to really think about that. I see some lights going off, Brandon. So I'm going to let you have at that a little bit.
1: No, I I absolutely love what you shared there, Pete. The other piece is really what, what you talked about earlier that I absolutely loved is the idea of what should we focus on first? Because if we try and do all of these different things, to your point, it's like, oh my God, how do I do all these 10 different 15 or 10 to 15 different exercises? So for me, the conversation begins like this. Let's get one thing right and let it build momentum into everything else. So the the three things I would do after these podcast, this podcast is over would be do the random word exercise 100 times. 100 times seems like a big number, Pete, but it really isn't because it takes 60 seconds to do it once. So if you do it five minutes a day for three weeks, you'll have done it 100 times, which is way more than most people in your industry are going to do it. The second exercise I would take away from this is to start doing the question drill more frequently with yourself and your sales teams. Meaning, every single day, write a question that you feel somebody's going to ask you about your product and come up with great answers so you can share those great answers with your sales teams. These are the strategies that will ROI really quickly, and then the third piece is video messages. Make a list of your top twenty-five accounts. By the way, it's crazy that I even have to say this, Pete. Nobody does this. Make a list of your twenty-five accounts. That's how I get clients. Fifty percent of my business is word of mouth. That's it. And then you send them video messages when it's their birthday, when it's their, when it's a holiday, and they'll always give you referrals. And this is a, a highly underutilized strategy. And the best part of all three, Pete, is they all cost. Zero dollars and zero cents to implement. But once we start doing those three things, Pete, what starts to happen? What starts to happen is exactly what you nailed the head on. How do we appreciate employees more? How do we treat them like the number one customer on earth? When these exercises start building up momentum, back to the entrepreneur we talked about earlier, let's say he implemented one of these exercises at a time. Then we start to see results. And then results start motivating us to go, okay, I think Pete and Brendan are on to something. Maybe I shouldn't just do these three things anymore. Now let's go into how do I buy better gifts for them? How do I show them more appreciation? And that's what starts stacking up over time to get the ultimate result that most people in our industries won't get.
0: Mm. That's great advice. So if I'm a... a store owner, I own a furniture or a mattress store. And I said, man, I've been watching Brandon for 40 minutes now. And I really I think this guy could help me. How how do people get a hold of you? How do people reach out to you to start to work with you?
1: Absolutely, Pete. Well, first of all, it so great to be on your show. Thanks so much for having me. It was so great. So, two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in One Word, and y'all have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second way to keep in touch is a free training that I run on effective communication. I do this every two weeks over Zoom. It's live, it's interactive, and not some boring webinar. So, if you want to jump in on that training, all you have to do is go to rockstarcommunicator.com
0: and register for our next training. Okay. We are not wrapping up. We're going to keep talking because that... Hey, listen to me. My business owner friends, my rep friends that are listening to this, you can get a free training. All you have to do is go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Get that free training and start improving your communication. I mean, it's going to help your business. It's going to help your personal life. It's going to help you be a better father, mother, uh, husband, wife. It's going to help you be better all the way around. And uh, that is that is huge. I mean, I'm telling you guys, if you don't replay this episode like 10 times, there is so much in here for, you know, and then you're going to get a free training on top of that. That's, that's crazy. You are, you, you are pretty amazing, Brandon, for such a young man, you have really, really paid a lot of attention and you have some frameworks that could help every store owner that I know. It's uh. It's, it's 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 a it's amazing. I am very very thankful that uh, that you came on. What last words would you like to say to our uh, store owners? And by the way, we get sales reps on here too. Um, it, it's funny. I started this show for just my store owners, and I get two other audiences. I get uh, retail sales pros that want to learn how to sell more. Uh, And they pick up a few things here and there, even though 90% of this is aimed towards business owners, store owners uh, specifically. But then sales reps. And I think I have as many sales reps as I do store owners. And uh, they want and need to become uh, excellent communicators. And so the communication advice that you gave for business owners? Is it a little bit different for sales reps or is it pretty much all the same in your mind?
1: Great great question, Pete. I would say the information would be the same. And thank you for your kind words as well. I really appreciate it. I would say for sure the the advice is the same, but the motivation changes. So I'll give you an example. So for the CEO of the business, doing the random word exercise will help them deal with more uncertainty. And uncertainty is a lot wider when you're the business owner. Somebody could come up to you and say, there's a fire at the store. Somebody else could call you and say, you're fired. So there's a different set of probabilities that are much higher. So the random word exercise helps you filter through all of them. Whereas when you're a sales rep, You're still dealing with uncertainty, but at the end of the day, that uncertainty is less problematic when you're just in the sales part of the business because your ultimate goal is to hit numbers, to deliver a great experience, to get more referrals, and to ultimately sell the same range of products and services over and over and over again. Same thing with the question drills. In the question drill context, let's say you're the CEO of the business and you're on a podcast or you're doing a sales call, but mostly on the podcast side, you're answering a lot of questions about yourself, your personal story, that a sales rep doesn't necessarily need to answer all the way on a podcast. Usually for that person, the question drills utility is more in the sense of let me make a question a question list of all that my prospects are asking me so that I'm bulletproof on every sales call and my conversion goes up 10
0: 20%. That's huge. So write down your your number 2 your question drill write down those questions that you're not 100% that you have always given the best answer and Uh, Write all those questions down and you will absolutely become bulletproof um, as a rep. Now, generally speaking, that happens over time anyway, if you're paying attention. But what we're talking about here, and I'm speaking to my sales reps now, what we're talking about here, and, and it's easier and cheaper to do a drill and get experience faster than having to lose sale after sale after sale over time. And so, you know, you go, I don't want to do a drill. I've been doing this for five years. Dude, you want to keep missing sales? Or do you want to do the drill for the next six months to the point where you're sick of doing the drills? I mean, uh, you guys don't have to look any further than Michael Jordan. He was an all pro, had won multiple world champions. And what was a dude doing? He was paying expert coaches, coaches, doing extra exercises, extra nutrition, extra everything, extra sleep, everything extra to have an edge. Tom Brady, quarterback um. for New England Patriots all those years and then it goes to another team and wins a Super Bowl there. Do you guys really believe it's an accident? Because I don't. I don't. And do you know that he has a nutrition coach? He has a quarter, his own quarterback coach that analyzes his arm motion. He has a conditioning coach. And what I am saying to you, especially if you're a younger sales rep, You need to invest in your business both in time and in money and learn how to get to be the best communicator. You should want to be the best sales rep that's out there. And how are you going to get to be the best sales rep out there without doing the repetitions that you need to do? Because you're going to do them. Now, here's a question. How many sales are you going to lose, or are you just going to do the hard work right now and get the repetitions behind you? And when you're in front of somebody, you know that you've got the proper answers, the proper training, that you've done all the work. when i When I was in college, I was very blessed. I went to a little division three school. I was a two time all American. After after I was a first-time All-American, I didn't stop lifting weights. I didn't stop doing Arizona speed drills. I didn't stop practicing my first step out of my stance. I didn't stop watching film. Do you know what? Everybody in the league was gunning for me. I was watching more film, lifting more weights, running more wind sprints, and watching more film because now I had a target on my back. And so... You guys who have been at this for 40 years like me, you need to do this too. You absolutely need to do this. You guys need to hire coaches like Brandon that are experts, that all they do is work on communication to help you get to the next level. And if you're at the very top, you don't get to stay there by doing what you've done. The only way you stay there is if you continue to innovate, continue to improve, and get better. And the same goes for my sales pros at retail, and the same goes for my business owners. So I'm sorry. I got a little carried away. I do that every now and again. And and that's why
1: you're so successful, Pete. Because and that's the one thing that a lot of people didn't notice that I'll point out between the lines. Even when I was speaking, to everyone, Pete was still taking notes. He's saying, what can I learn from Brenda? I'm already really successful. So there's something Brendan is going to teach me today. And it's that level of humility, Pete, that's made you successful. Or exactly. And it's one I need to replicate. It's one I need to continue to have as I get more success. So, so I really appreciate that. And I think it's a great reminder for all of us that the second you actually win the game is when you should take it more seriously so that you keep your lead for the rest of your life.
0: Wow. That's great advice. Brendan, thank you so much for being here. I had fun. I think we gave everybody, all three of our audiences, our store owners, our reps, and our sales pros a lot to think about and a lot to do. Chris, could you pull up Rockstar again uh, for our watchers and our rockstarcommunicator.com? Go there, get your free training and start implementing uh, today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start implementing these things today. Um, Brandon, thank you so much. Uh, I loved having you on the show. We had a lot of fun and I think we delivered a lot of value to our to our uh, to our store owners, our reps, and our sales pros. Absolutely. The pleasure and honor was absolutely mine, Pete. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Take care.